What's up, YouTube? I'm Robert, and this is the Biker Channel, B1. Today, we are here on the Biker Bar, episode 11. And uh, what we have is a pretty interesting uh, guest. The uh, company that he works for right now, some of you guys might be familiar with, Lizard Skins. His name is John Moon. He is actually a product designer. So we're going to go through a little bit uh, of his career, which got him to where he's at, and then talk about where he's at as well. Kind of interesting. Uh, inter I think it'll be a pretty interesting conversation. So, John, I'll let you go ahead and say hello. How's it going, everyone? My name is John Moon. I'm a product designer for Lizard Skins. Sweet, dude. So, um, first of all, uh, you are apparently friends with Richard from, from Stickered, right? Yeah, I am. I know him from Leland High School. We went to Leland together. Uh, we also played football together, uh, but I gra I graduated one year ahead of him. All right, on dude. So whenever you were when you were a, a high school kid, were you uh, were you riding bikes back then too? Oh yeah, oh yeah. We have a like really nice trail right next to Leland High School, and we would ride you know on that trail stuff like that. So you guys um, were you always a mountain biker, or were you uh, like a BMX guy when you were younger, or anything like that? Started with BMX and then moved to mountain bike, but never really got into road bike. Yeah. There's nothing to get into road bikes except for fucking pain, dude. Believe me. Or, or spandex. Right. I did yeah. 70 I did a 70 mile road ride yesterday with my lady. I'm not a road rider, by the way. So I'm like wearing a t-shirt. Everybody's looking my fucking ass crack the whole time. And um, and when I finished, you know, I just do that because the lady likes riding road and I like keeping the lady happy. But when I finished, I said to everybody there, I was like, I want you guys all to know every mountain bike ride I was ever on in my life was more fun than that. <laughs> so so um the product design stuff man how did you end up in getting into that was that something you just started out right right into college with or you kind of grew into it i've always been artistic creative all my life and obviously I, when i was younger i didn't know what to do with it but as soon as i graduated from university, I was like, what do I do with this degree? And I saw, I saw something on TV where it said, you can design cars, you can design furniture, you can design um, products, cell phones, stuff like that. And I was like, well, what kind of degree do I have to get that to, to, to design products? And I ended up going to Academy of Art, San Francisco, and they offered industrial design degree. So that's where I applied. And as soon as I graduated, I got my first job as a designer. And then from when we were chatting earlier, you said you started out at Easton? Yeah. So, I mean, I had smaller jobs in, in between, but right. um, one of my bigger, bigger companies that I worked for was Easton, which is baseball and cycling company. And oddly enough, when I was at Easton baseball, I was only industrial designer for two and a half years. And then, they had more industrial designers towards the end, but I, so within that time, all the products like batting gloves, ball gloves, baseball bags, hats, all the equipments kind of came through me because I was only industrial designer. So when you say industrial designer, does that mean like, 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 let's just say for the, the sake of conversation, it was yeah. a bag that you were working on at Eastern. Did uh -huh. you, design the actual bag or it was like an engineer designed the bag and then you were like making the graphics and the colorways and stuff like that what the what does industrial designer mean okay so let me let me clarify that so someone like richard who does graphics stuff that goes on a product mm -hmm. uh, would be a graphic designer so they're more 2d right and right. then someone who creates the product would be a product designer, industrial designer. And they would work with engineers to come up with solutions to some of the things that, um, that you would have to go through to make the product come, come to life. But engineers kind of come second. So product designers are the ones that are kind of creating and thinking from the beginning what the product is gonna be like, how much it's gonna cost, what features it's gonna have, how many pockets, how many, you know, these features and what it's going to look like, how it's going to open. Right. That's what you're like. Dreaming it up. 
Exactly. So that's the difference between product designer and a graphic designer. Yeah, yeah, I know. That, that, that makes sense to me. So you, you were there at Easton for a while, and then you moved on to, I think you told me, Oakley? Yeah, I went to Oakley at, right after Easton. I was at Easton for three years, and then I went to Oakley. Um, I have a funny story. Yeah, let's hear it. I applied to Oakley, <clears throat> and I was waiting, and I didn't hear anything. I'm like, oh, shit, maybe I didn't get the job, you know. They don't want that they're not calling me back and that after two weeks it was my birthday so i had a birthday party um at a lounge and a bunch of my friends came and they're all in the industry there's a buddy buddy of mine who's a designer car designer at kia there's a japanese friend who is who was working at honda at the time and so on and so forth so all, all my friends the group of uh, friends are designers right and and it was like, yeah, what are you doing these days? You know, who do you, who are you working for? And I told him the story. I'm like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm still at Easton, but I just put my, um, my application at Oakley. I really want to work there. And the guy's like, oh yeah, yeah. who, who was the, the guy you talked to? Who was the, who was the HR manager? And I said, um, John something. Right. And he was like, I was like, oh my gosh, I know that guy. So my Japanese friend apparently knew the HR and literally had beer with them the day before. Oh, sweet. Because, because John, who's a head of HR, uh, used to work in Japan, married a Japanese uh, wife, and he was working at Oakley at the time. And his wife was friends with my friend's wife. So they were all hanging out uh, the day before. You know, and he was you know, that there's one thing that I've learned in life, man, is it's all about fucking networking, dude. And it is a small world. It's really funny when that, those things kind of fall fall in, into place like that. So, yeah. so your buddy knew this dude that was that was working on hiring you. Do you think that yeah. really played into it? I think so. I mean, I mean, I had a pretty solid resume, but at Oakley, it's kind of who you know, because there's so many people applying for the same position. So right. how do you stand out? And how do you... I would imagine it? everybody wants to be there, right? You know, that's like... That would be like tech guys working for Intel, you know? They're like, dude, that's fucking where you want to go, right? Yeah, so bottom line, he goes, hey, let me call him up right now. And it's like 12.30 Friday night. I'm like, no, yeah. that's gonna, that's not going to help me get a job. Yeah, you're like, <laughs> don't do that, yeah. dude. Don't fuck this shit up. <laughs> I'm like, why don't... Wait till Monday... And give him a call saying your friend applied, blah, blah, blah. And, yeah, I got a call. I got an email um, back, went in for a first interview, and got the job. There you go. And I was so, so you go from, from designing baseball gear to doing glasses. So at Oakley, do you – like, do you just walk in? You're like, last night I was thinking about doing some glasses like this, and you just kind of like come up with any like thing that you drew on your own, like, or is that something where it's like, oh, well, we have these, you know, frame sets that we use. We only want you to modify it a little bit, or do you have some kind of like like sounding board where you can just go in and be like, I'm gonna so take Bonner's me, glasses from that video and make them look like Oakley's. Let me let me clarify on some of the products that I worked on. So at Oakley, they have an eyewear team. What, the department that I applied for was accessories team, which is doing bags, carriers, hats, gloves, tactical gloves, riding gloves. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. So it was more of a transition for me, a better transition for me going from, you know, baseball bags, baseball glove, baseball equipment to – Oakley accessories versus going straight to eyewear. Right, so, right. Guys, believe it or not, a lot of the eyewear guys are ex-car designers. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So one guy came from Hyundai. The other guy came from Mercedes, so on and so forth. So they all kind of have this car background. Uh-huh. And that's where they get the, a lot of the stylings are coming from. That makes sense. Kind of, I, I, I can, I can see that. Is you think that there, there's like a, like a natural progression with that, or do you think it's just so? I mean, they're, they like you said, it's like know who you know, so they're like hooking up their buddies and like that's 
you know, why there are other car guys in it or. I would say half and half. Yes. There's definitely, you know, who, you know, counts, but you got to have talent there at the end of the day. I mean, you, you bring your shit friend who doesn't know, you know, doesn't know how to design, but he got hired just because he, he knows somebody. Right. If, if your work is not up to par, you know, you're, you're, it is what it is at that point. Yeah. Right. They're going to know that, Hey, you're not the right guy for the, position so you said you were doing gloves as well so you were doing like riding gloves or just like yeah. uh all gloves so cycling tactical and we had i think those were the two verticals that had gloves so, so we had Oakley does tactical stuff they do, do do stuff for like like uh police departments or something like that military military so we have, yeah we have a huge military um contract program they even have a website that's dedicated to that you can only order stuff if you're in the if you're in the service if you are a police officer if you're ex-military or still in the military you can use your your i guess your identification number uh, to get discounts and buy the actual tactical gear Oh, they have a veterans program too. It's not just like active duty people. Yeah, it's for, it's for both. Yeah, off duty as oh, that's well. That's pretty cool. I didn't know about that. I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to look it up now. So, SI.com. <laughs> what was that? SI. SI.com, I, I believe. Huh. Right on. So, um, how, how long were you at Oakley? Roughly about three years. Yeah. What were some of the projects that you did there that you're really stoked on? So, like I said, I had the tactical uh, category. We shared surf because there's um, surf and lifestyle was one of the bigger categories that we had. So we had, in my department, there were three of us, three designers, and we kind of all helped out with lifestyle and surf. But everyone kind of got their own. So mine was tactical and golf. And then the other guy got training and surf or something like that. So we kind of divided up the, the vertical. Uh -huh. Are you a golfer? Not really. Never got into that. But So how do you go about like coming up with product designs for something that you that like a sport that you're not active in? So here's the thing. I don't have to be a professional cyclist in order for me to design a cycling product. Um, I have a lot of training. I have a lot of uh, background in material designing measurements and all that to guide me there. And I do work with professional athletes or people that are um, in the industry to get their feedback. So do you go, so you get, you call up freaking whoever it is and you're like, Hey, like, what is it that you like about your glove? What is it that you wish you had better? And then you kind of like translate what they're saying. So when they say, you know, well, I don't like how stretchy this material is. You're like, Oh, okay. I know we need to use this different type of stuff. Something like that. Yeah, exactly. So I, I really rely on their feedback, but at the same time, they can't draw, they can't think up you know, this product, they know what right. they like, they're, they're pros, they're, they're in the industry, but at the same time, they can't do what I do. I can't do what they do, but yeah, yeah, if, I, totally. if I take their experience and their knowledge, I can come up with a better product. Uh -huh. So that's how so, I usually work. Yeah, no, I hear you, dude. I, I, I probably have about 50 things that I could talk to you about freaking making better. Though. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure that it, I'm sure it's pretty interesting. Um, so now along the way here, so you, you, you move on from Oakley and you decide to go work, work for lizard skins, right? So I got, I actually got scouted out. Um, I'm at Oakley. I'm having fun. Um, I get a phone call saying, Hey, um, we know someone that you work with in the past. And I, that's how I got your information. And they're like, this is um, Lizard Skins. They're in Utah. They, they're a cycling company, but they also have a baseball company. So which is kind of like, it was perfect for me because I've done both. I've done cycling and baseball. What does Lizard Skins have that's baseball? 
they have a whole baseball category and they're making more money than cycling and they were originally cycling company so i didn't they, even know that they did anything for 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 baseball at all so like baseball and softball like just all together or just baseball yeah, we just launched into um softball and hockey and huh. we're we even have a mlb license oh wow yeah which is huge so, because there's only let's say 12 mlb license in the whole world uh-huh oakley has the eyewear new era has the hat uh stands socks I believe Under Armour Fanatics together they have the apparel. Uh-huh. Franklin has the batting glove license. Shoes by New Balance. So on and so forth. Um, yeah, but, yeah, that's crazy. But Lizard Skins, they do the grips. They do the baseball batting grip. So like the and tape and stuff? Yeah, so you know how they're known for their cycling tapes, right? Right. Well, let's take a step back. Let, let's talk about lizard skin. So yeah. where, where, where are they from? You said they were from Utah. How long they've been around? They've been around for 25 years. This is their, you know, 25 year anniversary. Oh, that's cool. And how did they start out? So it started with, you know, with one guy, obviously the, the founder of the company and, you know, a lot of the similarity as to other companies where, you know, he's selling stuff out of the garage and it was literally just one neoprene chain stay or chain guard so that you put this neoprene guard on, on your bike and it protects from the chain hitting the um, frame. And that oh, was yeah. I, I remember that product. Now that you say that, I totally remember that product. And that's how they started. They started a very small mom and pop shop. And then... Yeah, because it was like a, almost like a scuba material with yeah, just a piece of Velcro on it. You just wrapped it around that the, the chain stay there, and it just kept your your it made the the chain slap noise not as loud, and then it didn't mm -hmm. fuck up your frame like yeah, the it didn't chip the chip the frame or anything. Like that. So that was one of their first products. That's how Lizard Skin was born. However, that was their you know growing stage or whatever until they got into this grip business. So mm -hmm. they came across this um, material where. It's, it's patented. It's very soft. It's tacky, very grippy, and it has three different thicknesses. So, and it, it's, it's pretty long. Cause you have so to they started doing tape like for like road bikes or just tape for like, um, I believe what, they what, started what, BMX first, like mountain bikes and BMX grips. Uh huh. So such as North shore, single lock on and then they moved on to double lock on um or slip on silicone kind of like the the ari grips um mm -hmm. and then i believe somewhere in that um timeline they came across this tape and i believe that's when they they blew up you know and they started coming out with different colors different um patterns camel shapes or camel camel patterns different camel colors yeah yeah patterns things like that that's when it took off and so really the tape for like the road road bike bars and like crossbars that's what really kind of launched them exactly so now now they're sh being shown on the national level um tour de france and you know the winner who uh who had our our tape Mm -hmm. you know, we, it was just blasted all over all over the advertising and stuff like that and yeah i mean fun. somebody went in the tour de france that's kind of that's pretty that's good the one, yeah that's something you want to buy for your bike you know? <laughs> right that's funny yeah. so um what is it that is there anything particular with that that uh the grips now that like is you know kind of stands out between them and somebody else or oh yeah there's there's a lot of um competitors out there that are offering similar products mm -hmm. kind of like Vulcan which is for baseball um, there's a cycling one from SoCal that's doing pretty well but still on a smaller scale I forgot their name yeah yeah so whenever somebody comes to you and they're like because so, so I saw you at Interbike so you're there to talk to all yeah. these bike shops about their the product that you guys have 
like on the mountain bike line, for example, like what is the what is the differences in the models? So it's like have, noticeably just like the diameter of the hand or like has to do with the grips or exactly. So all those kind of play in the part. We have we have so many handles and they all have their um their um their benefits, different specs for different writing, your hand size and stuff like that. So you want so we have a small, medium, large diameter to fit different style of writing, different size hands. Um, if you're doing a lot of tricks and doing a lot of jumps, you don't want a death grip on your bike. You want to stay light and grip um, when you need to, stay loose when you when you don't have to. Uh huh. And I believe those are um, 29 millimeter um, Danny McCaskills. Those are really good for it. And then something like our North Shore, which is right around 31, 32 millimeter diameter. It's more of a comfort um, riding grip. And people really love the the lock-on grips. They just slide on, lock it in, and you don't have to worry about that. And then also, people who are really particular about the grips not twisting when they ride, they prefer yeah. the double lock-on so that it's fixed at one end, and it's also fixed at the other end. Yeah, yeah, that's what I use. I think I think most people nowadays are using lock-on grips and for the most part i would i would make the assumption they're all the double lock on on brand i mean i i would imagine that there's a few people there, there are some brands i think you guys do have some too that's a single lock on the and then the yeah. rubber like actually goes around the end of the bar so you don't need to have a, a um a bar end put on it like a little bar cap so yeah. But I think for the most part, most people are, are probably using the double lock on. At least that's what I see with most other people that I ride with. For the yeah, for the mass, I think that's what they prefer. Yeah. Let me so, share. Let me share one more thing about how the the baseball thing came about. It's, there's a there's a cool story to it. Sure. So you, know sure. We, you know how we had the the long um, race bike tape, the handlebar tape, mm -hmm. and our general manager. He's friends or neighbors and friends with John Buck, professional baseball player. Uh-huh. What he did was he took our tape, cut it in half, and he wrapped the baseball bat with it. And literally, that's how the, the baseball department came about. And oh, right on. Now, like I said, now our baseball um, department is doing way better, making more money than cycling department. That's crazy. That's totally crazy. It's funny. It, once again, you know, it's just funny how, how those things happen. You know, like we said, you know, here it is, this dude's neighbor. And next thing you know, there it is. Yeah. Um, so you had told me an interesting story that I didn't know when, when we were at Interbike that um, Lizard Skins actually owns Owry now. Yeah, they bought him out or, or our president bought the pre uh, bought the brand out last year um so the you had said originally like the 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 company was was like the owners were were retiring or getting really old or something like that so the owner passed away the original re owner passed away and then his wife and his brother i believe they were all in the business together but his wife didn't want to be in the business anymore um so she wanted to sell the business However, she didn't want to sell the business and have the office workers, the factory workers, you know, be out of job because because of something that happened to them. Like she was very down to earth, nice person, cared about the, the workers for the brand. And yeah. there, there were many um, companies, big name companies that uh, put a bid in for the comp uh, to buy the, the Ari Group company, but and I, I can say that we weren't the highest, highest bid, but she took our bid because our president promised her that we're going to keep the, the factory open. We're going to keep ordering from that factory. Everyone's going to have their job still. Um, so, that's awesome. Yeah, she liked that. So that's how the president was. So basically, as far as the Owry brand goes, you guys aren't really changing anything. You're not doing anything to it you're just continuing to manufacture what they do exactly it's, it's made in usa product 
they're keeping it how it is, as is, maybe adding a few more colors to kind of yeah. line up what we're doing. But we're keeping, for the most part, we're keeping packaging the same, um, the product the same, just kind yeah. of keeping that USA product alive. Yeah, no, it's a great product too. I mean, you guys have a grip that's really similar to lizard sands, don't you? Yeah, we do. Yeah. What's the name of the one that you guys have? Let's see here. I think the only difference is you guys have different diameters in them, if I remember correctly. So, like, I think the Auri ones are still a little bit bigger in diameter, if I remember. So the different, yeah, the difference between the Auri Auri ones and the lizard skin ones, even though now we're same company. Ari is more, I believe, focusing on colors. Uh huh. Whereas we're kind of coming in with, like you said, different grips, different diameter. Um, for we're getting a little more technical. Uh huh. So Arch is called us uh, the North Shore. It's a single compound grip. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's a similar. It's the most similar one to Ari grip, but it's. It's different spec-wise. Uh-huh. So what kind of stuff are you working on as far as, like, what's what's a what's a, a product designer doing when they're somewhere like Lizard Skins? So right now we're going going back into our, our new product year. So what I would go, so this is my, this is how my, my, my cycle or my pattern looks like. I will design all the new products. When they pass that off, let's just call that first quarter. Second quarter is all development. So it goes into, goes to factory, comes back, the sample comes back. We make changes to the sample. We make costing. If it costs too much, we take, you know, we take a couple things, we tweak it out, change the material, whatever. And then that goes into production. And then the third quarter would be like, Let's look at the next year's product, start designing, start researching. And then we have a big design meeting. And then it gets sent to the factory, and that's the fourth quarter. And once again, it's a development quarter, which is reviewing samples, reviewing costing, uh, Q&A, stuff like that. So are you working with the grips department? Are you doing working on the grips? Or are you working on the tape? Or what? Like, cause you said you had the baseball background, so yeah, I'm I'm working on all the products, so all I'm, the involved products. In, I'm involved in all the products from Lizard Skins. Um, so far, and you ride mountain bikes still, right? Yeah, I I have five bikes in my garage right now. What, what are you rocking out there? What do you got in the garage? So I have a so I've got a buddy at or our our friends who are just distributors at Fox. So I got a Fox mountain bike. I got a iguana, and let me see what I. I have a single speed. Um, just you know, just a toy that I'm just you know messing around with, and then um, the latest one I bought. Hold on one second. <laughs> it's all right. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Here he goes, just like that, and he's gone. <laughs> If you guys have any questions that you want to ask him that uh, that pertain to the the design industry or something like that, that that may be interesting for you to hear, go ahead and shoot them up in the chat, and we'll take a look at that while we're chatting as well. What was the other one? KHS. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah. So <laughs> we have a buddy at um, KHS, and he hooked me up with that bike, uh, and you know, like he added all these new um, components and stuff like that. So. Right so in, in the design process of like grips, for example, is there anything that like is your, your personal touch that where you're like, oh, I like my grips to be this way and that's how I'm, I'm throwing this design up? Or are you still pretty much just relying on what the, what the pros are telling you? Uh, yes, and there's, there's both. There's stuff that we get from the pros and, you know, um, pro writers that are telling us what they want. Um, so... Danny McCaskill grip was definitely, it's what he wanted versus something that we talk about internally and come up with our, our own and our, our, you know, research department. 
would would be more like our North Shore and our Moab and stuff like that. One of the uh, one of the people in the chat said that you should design a rubber derailleur hanger. <laughs> rubber, a what? Gorilla? A rubber derailleur hanger, because <laughs> so then it won't break whenever you crash. <laughs> I'll look into that. Yeah, he's being he's being sarcastic, <laughs> but yeah, so nonetheless. So, what kind of stuff that are you working on over there right now that's got you excited? So, right now, uh, I'm working on new gloves. I've already got it kind of all the way till I would say 90% done. And if I can show it to you, it's a Flyknit mountain bike glove. And it's really cool. If you can see the pattern here, can you see that? Yeah, yeah. So this is also a podcast after the fact. So I'll just kind of try to explain it a little bit. And yep. it basically has like an open mesh, like you would see like almost like an old, old school laundry bag in the glove down the fingers and uh the top of the the hand as well so it looks so, like it'll breathe really well so let me let me explain it differently okay go for it so i i call it flying it but we can't use that name because obviously it's owned by nike the the name but i love these shoes and that's how they're made they're super light and if you look into it it's engineer knit. Right. So the machine prints out this knit pattern. And mm -hmm. I was like, I want to make that into a glove. So this was my inspiration. And I got it to, I found a factory that does shoes and I have them print out the top and I sent it to our factory who does all the, the, all the bottom sewing, this has a gel mm -hmm. padding, stuff like that. So then how and, do you work? So you have personal relationships with like these, these companies overseas or is like they already had some like deal with, with lizard skin. So you just like, you, you hit up the vendor that they use. That's how that goes or. So the answer is yes. You kind of, you have to have this personal relationships with the vendors, with the factories, because Without them, you're, you're half. You're half of the product. You right. can dream up whatever you want, but if no one can make it, then the product doesn't come through. Um, right. we, we have a really, really good factory. We have a really good vendor that we're working with, both bags and gloves. And this is the same vendor that I'm working with that does gloves for DeMarini, um, Easton, and Oakley. So these are people that I worked with before. So mm -hmm. even though you change jobs, you kind of stay with the same factory. There's not, you know, like 10 different factories that you can just go to and be like, hey, can you make my stuff? It's, it's, it's very limited. Um, so pretty much most of the gloves that everybody's making are coming out of one or two, maybe three different factories, something like that. I would more like, yeah, more like five, I would say. Yeah. They're the top ones, and you know, let's say they do find something that's cheap or whatever in China, but they have a bad experience or the, for some reason. So and fact, where, where are these factories? Where, where are they located? Where are these all coming from? So the gloves are coming from Indonesia. Uh huh. And they used to be an ex golf golf glove manufacturer. Uh huh. And then the bags are coming from Vietnam. And they're pretty much number one, number two in the industry. They have um, two separate factories. One does really high-end leather handbags, Coach, Gucci, Tory Burch, all the women's. You know, oh, wow. Stuff. And then the other one is called, um, it's called PK2, PK1, PK2. PK2 is the outdoors um, department. And yeah, they yeah. do their all their sporting goods, sporting bags, like uh, Mammut, Oakley, uh, Sierra, Nevada, Sierra something. It's like a It's really bag. interesting to, to know that like most of the products that we purchase are yeah. really made from like the same manufacturing companies. You know, it's just different design guys like you dreaming this stuff up. But as yeah. far as like who's like actually 
making the bag the product is just a small group of of companies it's rather yeah. interesting you know it's pretty cool i mean like when when i go to asia and any any given day i go to their office and you know there's team from lululemon having a meeting in their big conference room and i'm in the next room and there's um bunch of people from north face they usually right. try like nine eight people in their team wow and, uh, yeah you can you see you can see who's kind of there uh so yeah we're definitely how, often, how often do you have to go overseas for something like that i usually go twice a year so once um so one per design cycle so like i mm -hmm. said first quarter second quarter third quarter fourth quarter first quarter is design then I send everything out, and then second quarter is development. So within that cycle, I go to Asia. So that will be about um, end of March, and then also. In so at November. that point, what are you trying to do? You're trying to like get them to like build your prototype, or you're trying to make sure that you're going to like look at materials, or like what's the reason for for going at that point? So it's really you're buying time. Obviously, the company wants to make products and have it come out at a certain time. If, yeah, we can, we don't have to go to Asia and try to email back and forth, back and forth, and send a uh, sample out every two, three weeks and wait for it. But, yeah, you can do that. You can save maybe, you know, a couple thousand dollars doing that. However, um, time is money. And by going there, you're saving probably two months of development time. Because one, they have everything there, factory uh, material wise. And while I'm there, you know, you play the, the telephone game. You tell someone one thing, you, that person tells someone else something. Yeah, yeah. You get, it's all that's up, completely right? different. Exactly. So the purpose of the trip is to reduce that. So I go there. And they come up with a sample, and I'm there directly, the guy who designed it, saying, right. you know, I want this to be this way. I want this to be black. I want this to be, you know, open right. this way. So they get it from from the horse's mouth, pretty much, just right. direct. It speeds up the process. Exactly. So, so somebody was asking in the chat, they were like, what is the reason that they can't, you can't produce, like, manufacture in the U.S.? Like, what is it that... So the, there's a reason why you tend not to. So what's that? Is, one is the labor cost. So the reason why we go to Asia is because their labor cost, their, their standard of living is a lot lower than U.S. So right. it's kind of like first world, third world type of thing. Right. Where if they're not as developed, their standard um, of living is a lot lower. Yeah. So their, their wage is, you know, Let's say in Vietnam, they'll make, don't quote me on this, but um, it's literally, you know, some, someone here working at In-N-Out gets paid, let's say, $13, dollars $13 an hour. Right. Someone, someone in Vietnam would make about $1.50 to $2 an hour. Right. Working at, you know, let's say Starbucks or whatever, yeah, somewhere. Yeah. Huge difference. Work. Huge difference. So that's why they're, a lot of the manufacturers are going to Asia um, to get the products made. And with U.S., there's a lot of things that we do well. But this, at the same time, there's a lot of things that we don't do well. And certain things like glove, it's definitely better in Asia for now. Yeah, I hear you there. And, you know, at the end of the day, it, regardless of, like, paying for tariffs or shipping or whatever obviously yeah. it's still it's still cheap enough that that that's what everybody's doing i mean when you look at all all of the the big companies like even what you said i mean it's like those bags that are like coach bags that these chicks are paying you know out the rear end for they're, they're coming out of the same factory that that the walmart bags are coming out of you know so it's just a matter of what products that you're using and what your quality control is. And then, you know, it is what it is, right? Yeah. And a lot of it is, is that, like you said, it's a, it's a brand power. Obviously, you're going to pay a lot more for Gucci or Coach than Walmart brand. 
So there's the brand power. So Nike bag is let's say 150 versus Jan Sport, 50 bucks, something right. like that. So there is a there is a brand power, but um, going back to the one of the viewers' question is the um, tariff. So we're paying 17.5%, let's say, coming out of Vietnam. So people are, everything, everything used to be made from China. You know that. Everything was made in China, made in China, because all the manufacturing was done there. However, a lot of the, the factories made money. A lot of people are making more money, and they're demanding more money. Mm -hmm. So their labor costs kept going up, 7.8%, 9% per year so a lot of the manufacturers couldn't keep up with that so that's why they moved out to vietnam they moved out to thailand myanmar other countries and the thing is it's going to be the same in maybe five years their labor's uh their labor's going to go up right eventually it's going to go up everywhere and then at that point it is what it is right well Yes and no. We do we do have um, we do have some solutions uh, regarding that. So you know how China is going to be right now. I believe it's twenty percent, but it's going to go up to you know twenty five is what what I'm hearing. And so people are already freaking out, and we're it's, we're not just talking about like you know small brands. We're talking about Nike, Under Armour, like the big guys, and right. They get the news kind of before before we do because it's how big they are, and um, so now they're they've been kind of preparing for about a year. So Indonesia is zero percent tariff due to GSP, so it's kind of like free trade. Um, and there are what, kind what of what does that mean? GSP. What's GSP? GSP. Let me see. It stands for. I mean, I'm gonna have to look that up. I don't want to give out the get out the wrong information because you know there's a bunch of people fact checking fucking biker channel, dude. <laughs> and, and no, hey, dude, this is this is this is um definitely uh, coming from the the industry. Yeah, no, I hear you. I'm just I'm just making jokes. Dude. Oh, here you go. Okay, so you know how we have um what do you call it NATO, which is yeah yeah North America trade, whatever. Trade and, yeah yeah. Yeah, they're working on changing that right now. In Asia, uh, with okay, so I'm gonna read the um, read the information here. It says GSP stands for Generalized System of Preference, and GSP uh, is a preferential tariff system which provides for a formal system of exemption from the more general use rules of World Trade Organization and. With that, it includes, there's a list of certain countries that are included in that, which is Thailand, Indonesia, Myanmar, Africa. Um, so basically, those guys got a good deal on, um, zero, yeah. on labor rates for right now. Not, not, no, not. Or not, on the tariff, I mean, I'm sorry. Tariff, yeah, so, but at the same time, those countries do have low labor cost. Right. So, so some of the. So once that goes away. Then, then, then it, then it's gonna get, then it's gonna get expensive. So it's a, yeah, it's a cycle. It's gonna go up and it's gonna go down again, and they're gonna start looking for another country that, you know, isn't as developed to still with uh, cheaper labor. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. So what kind of stuff? What kind of stuff um, are are you working on here back in the bike in the cycling industry? Let's talk about some of that stuff. So let me let me talk about the backpack. Here's a cycling bag that's already been designed. Um, I'm actually working on a um, 0.2.0 version of this bag. You bought this bag at the at the show. No, I think Richard and his buddy did. Okay. So it's kind of like a kind of looks like a dry bag for those of you guys that are listening. So it's like a, a flat across the top and it rolls down. Yeah. So when I say dry bag, I'm assuming people know what I'm talking about that are into kayaking and canoeing, but. If yeah, if they're if there's if they're into cycling, they'll probably know what it is. Like it's also known as the roll top, roll top bag. Um, but what's cool about this bag is I use a fid lock. It's got a little magnetic lock on it there. 
fidlock uh, closure. So it's pretty cool. So you can operate it with one hand. And yeah. also with the sternum, I used a magnetic closure. Yeah, it seems like that magnetic closure is kind of taken off on a, a bunch of stuff. I, I, I've seen a few helmets now that have a, a similar system on it as well. Yeah, and that's where it comes from. It comes from the, um, the, the helmet world. But I'm working on a 2.0 version of that bag. And obviously, I can't show you the, the design right now. But some of the features that are updated is we're going to get a little more uh, compartments. So you can... There's a little more organization. There's better compartmentalized uh, areas. So mm -hmm. let's say you want to have all your chargers and wires go in. It'll be kind of tucked in the way it's supposed to be. Um, so this bag was more general use, I would say. Mm -hmm. And then now we're kind of getting more specific. Size-wise, I believe it'll stay the same. Do you guys do some kind of bag that's like a camelback kind of bag? Or is it more like just like backpacks? Uh, we're not, yeah, we're not getting into camelback and there's, there's a whole discussion to hydration that. Hydration pack, nothing like that, yeah, yeah. Yeah, hydration pack, because camel, so a lot of the bags actually just make it with the pocket and have people, um, buy the camelback, um, bladder. Bladder, right. So that's, how, that's how some brands are doing it. Another brand is doing it with, with the bladder inside, but they're right. paying for they're paying for it, you know, out of their butt, having that inside included, the the bladder. Right, right. So, I hear. What kind of other what other kind of fun stuff are you working on? So another kind, another glove that I'm working on is. So you know how we went from. A couple more things here. So flying, we did the flying it, and we're going into road bike. So it's a same. Oh, okay. Same technology. So this will be your high vis for someone who wants who's riding for two three hours and you know kind of coming back uh, when it's dark. High yeah, vis. yeah. And then some padding here, ventilation here, pull tab. But it's super light. Imagine like like the shirt you have on right now, but it's got a bunch of holes in it. Right. So you have half of a shirt on. Right. Kind of like a Just football really jersey. So really? it's kind of like that. Yeah, definitely. So it cuts down on the weight. Exactly. And then obviously improves the um, circulation, air circulation as well. So what kind of thought process goes into what pads to use in there and, and how, how does that get designed? What pads? Like padding here? Yeah, yeah. I mean, is it kind of just like, oh, we just need a pad or is there like a bunch of different materials to choose from or... The so, placement yes. or anything where you're working with like a like a like a like a I'm I'm gonna use the wrong name not a physical therapist but like somebody that does like a range of motion like sports medicine kind of stuff like I can't yeah, think we, of it we're not yeah we're not really working with yeah. anyone from medical field mm -hmm. um, we are working with writers and you know let's say they complain about oh I want more padding here versus here mm -hmm. um, stuff like that and. To your first question, is there a list of materials that we choose from? Yes, there's so many different types of foam. There's memory foam, open cell foam, um, and there's also gel, and there's silicone, there's there's blue gel, there's um, poron. There's so many different type of material, but a lot of it is kind of um, marketing. And another thing would be cost. So mm -hmm. if it's if it's a higher cost, higher retail glove, then we put let's say higher type of uh, cushion. We put a gel. We put gel in there. And if it's mm -hmm. a price below that one, and it's strategically you know priced at a certain level, then let's say the middle one gets um, foam, gets a memory yeah. foam versus gel. And then so in our industry, we have this thing called good better best right so you can understand where good right. is your have an opening price better is your middle point price where you have all most of the features and then your best has all the you know all the bells and materials. 
all the bells and whistles, pretty much. Right. So, yeah. right. So that's, Are you guys you know, doing some kind of like anti-microbial kind of uh, like like um, antibacterial, antimicrobial? Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. Thank you. So, um, no, we haven't really. That was kind of a. I believe it's kind of um, a fed kind of a. Yeah, I wasn't sure, you know, like your gloves start stinking and, and stuff like that. So I was thinking maybe you're using some kind of looking into some stuff like that. So it's machine washable. So we're not using anything, you know, antimicrobial or anything like that. Yeah, it's, yeah. If you, it's synthetic leather, x suede, super, super resistant, um, super durable. And it's really after you know a few rides, just toss it in the washer out like um shore cycle though, mm -hmm. cold water, shore cycle. So you don't want to do hot water or long cycle, and that's how you would take care of your glove. I mean, it doesn't need to have antimicrobial um, stuff in it. Then, um, obviously, going into fourth quarter. I'm designing a cold weather glove. So it's got oh, okay. dual membrane. So it means it's got a, a liner layer and waterproof outer membrane for your rainy day cold weather riding. And because of that, all the finger and the all forefinger area and up to the, the half of the palm mm -hmm. has silicone prints so if you can what is needed it, is the silicone what's needed for you to be able to use your phone no it's not no that's not it so silicone has nothing to do with that um on what's our, the material uh, that they're using so that i can like touch the screen of my phone so we there's a name for it we call it touch tech uh -huh. which, is, which is on these two fingers right so the whole fingertip is that touch tech material so it's just some kind of like special plastic -y kind of stuff what is it it's so the best description would be it's a material that conducts electricity so ultimately that's what's going on is it's trying to conduct the electricity from your fingers into your screen exactly oh that's interesting so, whereas some of these um waterproof membrane or other synthetic materials like polyester uh -huh. they don't conduct electricity uh -huh. whereas this touch tech material does so it from your fingertip to this touch tech material and you touch your ipad or your iphone so the electricity travels through that which allows you to you know use your your phone while right. riding Right. Had a pair of gloves recently that didn't have that on it. It was really annoying. Yeah, so you're going <laughs> to take it off just to answer the phone or check the time, whatever, right? Yeah, or I use my nose, which really looks fucking silly. So. <laughs> <laughs> Especially crazy. when you're trying to type your freaking pat, your, uh, your passcode in because the stupid facial recognition didn't work. And it looks oh. like I'm making out with my iPhone. It's, it's fucking lovely. <laughs> and a lot of people obviously you know we have the the voice command you know so we don't have to we don't have to touch the phone as much but like you said you need to you know get into it first unlock it whatever and then you can use your um voice command right. so it's very useful to have that technology in the in the glove so outside of, of this stuff that you you've done with lizard skins and Oakley and Easton over the years, you also have your own brand that that you've been building on your your little side yeah. hustle kind of thing going on. Yeah, it is kind of a side hustle. I I really got into I don't want to say fashion, but clothing, lifestyle, streetwear uh, when I was at Oakley. So I wanted to kind of create my own brand, and I was. It took me about a year to kind of come up with the name and the concept behind it, and it's my brand's called Collab. Uh huh. So that's the that's the name right now. Collab website collab brandcom and we have so everything's designed by me. 
So what was the reason? What was the reason to name Colab? If so it's all by you. So it's not all about me. Colab is um, obviously stands for collaboration. It's short for collaboration. So there was a period of time where a lot of the recording artists, rappers, they're doing you know something featuring this artist, and they were doing a lot of collaboration. And then there was a lot of big brands like Nike, Colab, um, something else. And then Supreme obviously does a lot of that stuff, right? Supreme, Colab with, um, Pro what's the brand? I almost said Prada, but I don't think it's Prada. Um, Louis Vuitton. Oh, okay. So Louis Vuitton did a wallet with Supreme print on it. So. A lot of these um, crossover collaboration going on. Um, so I was kind of inspired by that. And uh -huh. So what kind of stuff do you guys do? So it's pretty much lifestyle and streetwear. And we got a lot of hats. We got shirts. We got hoodies. Oh, I like the font on that one. So this <laughs> is more yeah, like lifestyle. And then this is more athletic. Yeah, and like I said, we have shirts. So with your stuff, then you're you're ordering this in bulk, and then you're just, you know, sitting on the inventory until you, you sell it through your website? Um, yes and no. One is we don't do, like, high quantity. It's kind of a – we all kind of work on small quantity. So mm -hmm. a lot of the stuff is limited, uh, limited production. So I'm not sitting on – you know, hundreds of t-shirts, hundreds of this and that. So it's a small, small quantity. So it's more manageable uh, financially, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so you're getting that done overseas though still? No, no. So these are all done in U.S. Shirts are printed in U.S., made in U.S. Um, hats are done in U.S., made in. Some of, some of the hats are made in another country, but we bring the, we buy the blank and we print it or we do the, um, embroidery here in usa oh right on and then those are from like like uh connections that you've got in the industry or you just kind of seek that went out and sought out your own own vendors for that kind of stuff yes and, yes and no one I, I did have a um business partner who was doing all the prints for me and then now i'm doing kind of just kind of working with local printers mm -hmm. um, whoever has you know good pricing yeah yeah right on man so, so you, you're still riding bikes? Where do you ride bikes at? So there's a really nice trail right by my house, which is like from where I am. I'm in Southern California, Irvine, and I'm right below Peters Canyon. And the trail is called Peters Canyon. Oh, and right on. From literally right behind my house, I can ride all the way down to Newport Beach and up to Huntington Beach. It'll be a two-hour ride, but, I mean, it, it's a awesome trail. Right on. I think I've looked at that trail system. The company I work for has an office in Irvine. I was looking for something to ride the last time I was down there. I think I know exactly where you're talking about. Yeah. So, man, um, any anything anything else exciting you want to talk about? I'm actually traveling to Asia in three weeks to work on some of the things that I showed you and some of the things that um that I can't show you, obviously. Uh -huh. um, some of the things are top secret. So some Absolutely. of the, yeah, I don't want any uh, corporate espionage going on. But <laughs> uh, yeah, there's there's some good stuff going on. Um, hopefully I can share it to you once it's, you know, sampled up and I have a permission to show you guys. Then yeah, I'll definitely share that with you. Yeah, yeah, it'd be super fun, man. Well, man, I appreciate you taking the time out of your day to sit down and, and chat with us here on the Biker Bar and uh, it, it was it was definitely interesting to kind of get a different perspective of of how things are are done in the in the the design realm. Um, I I, I uh, asked you guys if you want to go check out his website. It's collab-brand.com. So here a, a Southern California guy, or actually a, a, a native California, we'll just say it that way, and um, we'll catch up with you, man. I really appreciate you you taking the time. Yeah, no problem, Robert. I had fun. Right on, man. Well, as you guys know, Biker Bar is on every Sunday at 5 p.m. PST.
And if you uh, if you didn't know, you can also catch it on a podcast on Apple, Google Play, and SoundCloud. I appreciate you guys coming in and hanging out with me today. Give it a thumbs up if you liked it. Hit the subscribe button if you want to pay attention to this happening more often. I don't usually say that, but today I am. So anyways, hey guys, remember it only takes a bike to be a biker. Get out and be one, bitches. <laughs>